0: And live from the internet, it's ZN Live. That's right. We're very excited today. We have a very special guest, uh, Carmen Spiliak, who's actually uh, worked with ZN in a past life. She's also got extensive experience. She's been living in different parts of the world, from Brussels to Brazil to Belgrave. And she was at the European Parliament in ZN, uh, working with WWF. Uh, all in communication and digital communication. And she has now become an author, a published author, of several novels, including a uh, thriller crime uh, novel, which is her latest one called No Such Thing as Goodbye. So we're going to talk a little bit about storytelling and uh, living in all these different places. So, Carmen, you just came back from Brazil to uh, uh, to Belgrave. So how has the change been? How has it been to go from one place to the other? Something you've already done before, obviously, but how has the adaptation been for you to Belgrave? Uh
1: Yeah, so I, I did move many times, mostly within Europe before. Uh, this was the first time when I had a long move and I have to say I'm still adjusting to European speed of life. Everything seems to happen much faster here, um, but it's also very nice to be in an in environment uh, that is somehow familiar and known, and I can gorge on all the foods and drinks that I've been missing for years um, in Brazil. But yeah, it's it's sort of bittersweet. I love my time in, in the tropics. I think I'll also love my time here. Um, it's mostly going to be difficult for winters because, as you know, Brazil is a hot country and I am totally not prepared. Uh, I was wearing jackets with 20 degrees, so I have no idea what I'm going to wear with real winter here.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been traveling more and more at ZN because we have this uh, remote network now. So people work from uh, many different places. I'm actually going to head back to India in October so that I can also... Uh, protect myself from the winter and come back uh, later on but uh, you've been an experienced communicator uh, and when we you were with us you were doing a lot of uh, strategy and writing and and storytelling and I think uh, you know every communicator at some level has a kind of book inside them that they'd love to read uh, to write but they they don't so how did you make the step between being you know writing for other people to say you know what I want to do my own writing. When did that start? What, what triggered the change?
1: Um, yeah, it's, a, I think, a, a question probably many people are asking um, people who want to write. So I wrote actually since very early age. I wrote for myself. I didn't consider this to be a career um, because it was not presented as career when I was learning about writers. Uh, I mean, these were mostly people I couldn't relate to because they were, you know, m- almost exclusively men who were drinking themselves to death, dying in poverty. I mean, it was not really presented as a, you know, like a a career choice. Um, So for me, it was always something I did on the side. So I wrote but you know like I didn't take time for specifically for writing when when I was inspired when I had idea I would write and then actually during my time at ZN um I think uh Helen at the time gave me a book uh, one thing and the the summary of the book was pretty much what is your one thing that you know you want to focus on and I realized that is writing so I started purposefully uh, a lot of time before I went to work um to write every morning. I would take a half an hour, an hour, and I would write, and I would do it consistently every day. And basically, that's the only thing I did that was different. I took time, um, I mean, I still write every day or most of the days. Um, uh, I do take holidays occasionally, uh, but that's that's really the only thing because the more you write, the more you get used to it, the easier it becomes, and the the more organically stories develop. Also like, of course, you become better at it. So that's sort of say the only advice. It's like uh, not very profound, but it does work.
0: Um, and I think coming back to the question of you know communication, uh, because I, I think that in our field everything is about telling stories. Uh, so how much did you bring uh, your storytelling experience from communication into your writing, and how different do you feel this is? You know, in, in, in business communication, people talk a lot about how we all need to become storytellers. Uh, do you think that's true? And, and did you kind of build the same skills from your, your, your communication into your, your actual books?
1: Um, I think it probably went both ways. Uh, I suppose uh, part of why I loved working in communication is because I love storytelling. And this is a way of storytelling. Um, I think the, the I only became more aware of different tools when I worked in communication, so different storytelling tools. I definitely think people are wired for stories. So if you say, tell something as a story, it's going to be much more appealing because people will be able to connect with it rather than if it's like a a bunch of facts basically presented uh, or a paper um, because I mean we don't relate to facts in the same way we relate to stories and stories can touch us on an emotional level and I think this is basically what people are looking for some kind of a connection and um, I do think with, with stories um, this is very easy so I mean um, people read for different reasons either to be entertained or just to lose themselves uh, to forget that they're reading and I think when uh, you bring these skills into communications you can really achieve a lot if you basically manage to touch what is the heart of the story or what this story is about because I think often things can get lost or muddled and then in the end we don't really know what we want to say um, but if we apply these storytelling skills I think it's very easy I'm not sure if everybody should be a storyteller, but I think if you you know use some of these skills, you can um, basically improve um, your communication skills as well as like just basically everyday everyday skills.
0: Yeah, and and in terms of you know what you bring to those stories, how much of your personal experience uh, do you bring into those stories? We were just talking uh, before we went live about your connection to to Brussels, so. You're talking about a, a spy story. So, so are you bringing in your life and your experiences into the story? And are you going to bring in Brussels?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I do, of course, always uh, take some star stuff from, from my day-to-day life. It's not the stuff people would assume. Uh, so it's not the exciting stuff that is in the story, uh, but it's usually some mundane thing that I notice. Uh, And then I asked myself a question. What if something would happen? And then this is how the story starts. Um, And with Brussels, I always basically wanted to write a spy story because I thought it's like... uh, uh, a bit, uh, I found it a bit more, like for for me a bit more feasible story to write than some kind of murder mystery because I was like only beginning to write crime Um, and Brussels is known as the city of spies and I always found that intriguing when I worked there because there are so many organizations and you meet so many people in the end you don't know who is who. Um, So basically I just started from that um, but nothing really happened until I got an idea for, for the character. This character arrived and then only then basically the story so to say, was born and I could write it down. Um, And for me, writing about places I visited or places I miss is a way to revisit these places. So I definitely am looking forward, like book two, uh, the one I'm writing now, the spy thriller series, is happening in Brussels, and I am already um, uh, planning of all the thing, all the places that the the hero the protagonist is going to visit and things to do. Uh, so yeah, definitely taking mundane bits of my life, but no, not the not anything, uh, so to say, of of substance, because uh, this this I prefer to keep for myself.
0: Yeah, and I think that there, there's some really interesting places in Brussels where a lot of things could happen. Uh, You know, because you could have a, you could easily be sitting and there's a a minister or prime minister or some very important discussion in a restaurant, which with no security and no particular things, I think it's it's quite an interesting thing for for potential uh, drama to to happen. We have Daniel from Valencia saying hi, long time no see, Carmen and Justin, who said diplomacy and espionage go hand in hand like a perfect (laughs) marriage. Uh, Very very good point. Um, Now in terms of the the way. Uh, people have to bring, you know, for communicators, what would you say, what would be your advice uh, to people so that they improve the way they tell stories? Because, uh, you know, as, as, as we were discussing, it is a skill uh, that communicators uh, look for. What uh, do you think, uh, you know, what would be your advice to communicators in terms of making that storytelling better?
1: Um, I mean, It's going to be, again, not very profound, but, I mean, it's something that works for me. One is trial and error, basically. Take the same story, start telling it. Either you tell it, uh, like face to face to people and just watch their reaction see it what I mean it's very easy to see when people's attention drops uh when they you know perk up and they want to know more um or if you you know you give it to somebody to write to give you feedback to read to give a feedback then just ask them and basically retell the same story let it uh, rest for a while rewrite it re-edit until it's better usually less is more. You will see some parts that are important for you as a writer to get into the story. You can cut out later because, um, they're not so important for the reader and like basically analyze. I think the thing I like to do a lot when I read and I get like my hands on a book that I cannot put down, or, uh, there's something I'm listening on a podcast and I just cannot, you know, like I put everything aside. I cannot like pause, uh, Uh, even to to take a short break because it's just so thrilling then I want to I go back to it later and I wonder why what was that 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 really um, drove me to continue to listen Uh, was it like uh, what kind of uh, feelings did it evoke and so on so I, I analyze a lot about things that work for me I know this is not going to be the same for everybody but if you know at least what uh, works for you then you know what kind of uh, topics uh, themes uh, you're interested in and you know what kind of things inspire you so you can then play with that so a lot is actually on the sort of say um, quiet and analytical side so just uh, analyze and then trial and error and I think that's basically it.
2: Carmen you said that when you were young it was very hard for you to see what you see yourself as a writer because there were no role models. Um, what writers, I guess, female writers, um, do you see as, as examples for yourself now? Um, and how can we change this perception or has it already changed for uh, girls these days?
1: Um, I think it has changed a lot these days. So the depends on the genre, of course. Um, I mean, I'm really, of course, Agatha Christie's The Queen of Crime. I mean, I, I love everything she's written in terms of uh, story structure. She's really great. Uh, there are some modern crime writers that I like, like Sarah Hillary, Sarah Pinborough, and not all of them are called Sarah, but they are two two of the ones that I like and I think the trend has now switched to the point that in crime genre, for instance, men would do um, would use initials uh, uh, or female pseudonyms so that they would um, get more chance because most uh, readers are female. Um so I think it has improved uh, a lot uh and thanks also to um basically the revolution that was called self publishing because this all of a sudden uh, removed the middleman and mm, many people were able to share their stories with the world, and many writers came out um basically who are now best selling writers from 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 this. I think what we can do i mean i'm not sure specifically for the writing, but I think it's it's always good uh if kids or young adults are encouraged to discover different things and um, especially in the creative uh, arena, which is not always considered to be very productive, so to say, that we put this productivity aside and we just let them play because often a lot can come out of it. And often some people who have... I mean, many writers I meet studied law, especially many lawyers and other things, and they have at some point decided this is not giving them the fulfillment they want and they basically... Uh, looking for ways how to turn it into a full uh, career, the writing, and they did. So I think it's always good to keep an open mind in a way and find this back door, you know, for some little pleasure in your life, even if there are no role models, just to kind of let that pleasure grow. I think that's like, allow allow that space.
2: Great, and let's go to some concrete recommendations. You already mentioned some authors named Sarah. Um, So we have a nice jingle for that. Love it, Carmen. Tell us what should we read or listen to.
1: So I'll just go quickly through some podcasts. I love podcast Hidden Brain. It's a scientific podcast dissecting many issues from aspects of what it means to be human, make mistakes, and so on. And it's really insightful. Often I listen to it. I get ideas for stories um bbc food chain is one of my favorite podcasts it just covers food from sustainability restaurants growing uh everything that you can imagine and i'm, I'm a massive foodie so um i would recommend anybody who likes f- food stuff to listen to that uh then where should we begin by esther perel um i find it an incredible podcast where she always interviews two couples uh that basically share an issue with with her and then they while they discuss usually they discover that the issue they present is not the real issue and i find it fascinating how basically a complete stranger in a half an hour one hour discussion can um with her communication skills are amazing her listening um i think this is the key lesson for any communicator um she listens of course observes the body language but she basically then can lead them to to the real issue. And th- from there, once they have identified that, it's very easy to find different solutions or ways out. So I find this uh, such a fascinating podcast. I would really recommend it to everybody. Um, I don't know if we have time for more yeah. recommendations. I always well, have I, think,
0: um, I have one podcast recommendation. Actually, I've gone back to the TED interview, which I uh, listened to uh, some time back. There's a, really, there's a new host who's replaced Chris Anderson who's the TED curator, called Steven Johnson. And there's a really nice transitional uh, podcast where they talk about uh, ideas and how the Enlightenment happened when we moved from drinking beer to, to coffee uh, and how new ideas can, can be transformed. It's a, it's a theme that I really like. And there's one on the brain, by the way, Carmen, you might like with uh, David Eagleman, who's basically an expert in, in how brain reshapes perception. Uh, So that's my podcast recommendation. What about you, uh, Liara? What is your your podcast recommendation?
2: I will get to that in one second. I first want to say that Esther Perel is indeed amazing and also want to praise all the psychotherapists and psychoanalysts in this world. Both my parents are psychoanalysts. My father is 78 and still working, still has clients and helping a lot of people. And it's, of course, not in one session, but in a series of sessions that you're transforming their life. And that brings me to my recommendation of this week, which is also called transformations or a Latin or the Latin word, and I'm not gonna pronounce it in Latin, I'm gonna to try to pronounce it in English with his met. <laughs> Just say it, Phil.
0: Metamorphosis. <laughs> <I> That's <think laughs> uh, such a good
2: pronunciation of that word. It's written strange. by Publius Ovidius, Ovidius Naso, or Ovid in English. And this is one of the most amazing poems because it's a series of poems of all time, uh, of course, about transformation, about how everything flows, uh, because it shows that if something terrible happens, like you're a god, Apollo, and you want to rape a girl, Daphne, and you just turn into a tree so that that god cannot rape you. Or about Narcissus and Icarus and Pythagoras. and It's an amazing story, a series of stories, 250 stories about Transformation. It details the history of the world from its creation until the death of Julius Caesar. And uh, if you haven't read it, there are well hundreds of translations, so you can certainly find one or tr- attempt it in its original Latin, uh, which you should because it's just brilliantly written. Its its um, its its style is just magnificent. And of course, if you can read it in its original version, it's even better. Um, in the eighth century when it was written. Um, Or in the ninth century, it was even called the Bible for artists. And so many, many paintings have been created on the basis of of this amazing book. Um, I will say again, transformations, because I have a problem pronouncing that word for some reason. So it is also a book of hope and that you can always transform yourself. So absolutely recommend this if you haven't read it already. Of course, it's very old, so you, you probably did
1: already.
0: Carmen, I think you had a couple of book recommendations for us.
1: Uh Yes, yeah, so I always have a lot of book recommendations. Stop me when i 'm going overboard, but a book that I really liked it 's a book for young adults actually it 's called the Apology Box of naomi alsted um and it 's a beautiful story about a young girl making a terrible devastating mistake uh that then she ends up uh paying for, but also this process of redemption uh, brings her to through through a very so, so to say difficult, but rewarding personal journey. Um, I really found it very touching and very easy to relate to, even though the, yeah, the, the basically protagonist is like a teenager. So somebody, uh, you know, I was uh, a while ago. Um, and if I can just sneak in another, another book, which I like is fiction book. Um, also is called The Kiss Before Dying by an author. I think he's a hugely underrated author, Ira Levine. Um, also author of Stepford Wives um, and many mm, sliver and many other um, great books that uh, have been made into movies. Uh, So a kiss before Before dying is basically a crime, crime story book um, where I find it fascinating that you, he switches perspective. So you see the you, you, you see the killer or you, you see the killer's perspective, you know how he looks like, but I mean, until like, I think more than half of the book, you still don't know who they are. I mean, it's so written. Like I could not put that book down and I want to reread it and reanalyze it, but it's really, really a thrilling read. Like if you're looking just something to lose yourself uh, in it, then I'd recommend that.
0: Perfect. So I think th- those sounds like great recommendations. My my recommendation is actually the secret history by Donna Tart, which I think, uh, Many people know it's a it's a kind of classic. Uh, I think it's a great also murder mystery. Uh, but and you know the interesting thing about a book is what you remember from the book might not be the plot itself, but the feeling and the context and the characters. Uh, and I think there, to me, it was is the conversations between the characters and the the feeling uh, and the kind of the way they captured kind of the the, the teenage coming of age uh, and, and you know murdering people uh, by mistake. Uh, let's say. Uh, basically, <laughs> I think it, it's, and, and of course, the way the whole story is revealed, uh, I thought was was uh, connected very well with the uh, audience. And of course, we're going to recommend uh, all your books and we're going to drop links uh, to them below so that people can uh, check them out. So we look forward to uh, checking out No Such Thing as Goodbye and of course, Add Signy to Taste and A Perfect yeah. Floor. Um, so we'll, we'll have some uh, links to all of those. Uh, so thank you very much for being with us Uh, have a fabulous weekend Uh, stay in touch and hopefully when you next come uh, to Brussels or when we come uh, to your part of the world we can meet up for coffee and um, have a fabulous weekend Yeah,
1: thanks for inviting have a great weekend thank you for joining us bye Bye